It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The Professionals of Professionalism proudly present Lewis Howard Live. Your crisp communicator with principal insights for pop culture with a tech edge. And now a man who needs no introduction, Lewis. Welcome. I'm Lewis Howard, and you have joined us for another edition of Lewis Howard Live. Thank you for being part of the conversation. We are pop culture driven with a tech edge. Hey, we kind of take it from all angles. We appreciate you wherever you are in the world or the United States or Canada or UK, and you are listening to our podcast either live or on demand. We are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week on about 15 different of the world's best platform, home platform being Blog Talk Radio, but we're on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podcast, you name it, we're on it. It's hard not to find us if you Google Lewis Howard Live, it comes up and hopefully you're listening to us on one of those podcasts. And as we always say, tell a friend, invite someone to listen. We are in 22 countries, so we are hitting it. Uh, shout out to my Philippines, as always. You guys are putting up good numbers. Japan, you're putting up good numbers. Thank you, Italy. You guys are going through a crisis right now, but you're still putting up good numbers. And of course, my friends in the UK and Canada, always checking in to the Lewis Howard Live edition. As always, we keep it fresh and we keep it moving. Hey, today we're going to talk about something that we all experience at one time or another in our lives crisis. We all have a crisis, right? Either you are going through a crisis right now as you're listening to this show, or you've been through a crisis, or you are entering into a crisis, or you're coming out of a crisis. Life is about crisis, and it's about managing crisis. Now, every day in your life shouldn't be a crisis, if it's every day that you're in a crisis, then you, you got something else going on. I just came out of a major life crisis, a major life-changing event. Has changed my perspective, has changed my insight, has changed my view. It has changed me. Crisis has the ability to change you. Now, if you're listening to me and you've never had a crisis, I salute to you. But the rest of us... We have to go through and deal with crisis at one point or another. But what is a crisis? Who defines crisis? Is it the government? Is it your company? Is it your spouse? Is it your family? 
Is it your friends? Who defines what a crisis is to you? Right? To an overdramatic person, and we all know those, do you know somebody that's overdramatic? Everything is a crisis to them. Right? If Starbucks gets their latte wrong, it's a crisis. They are going to get on social media and tell everybody about how they spell their name wrong on their cup. That's a crisis to them, right? To other people, that's no big deal, right? Someone lose their job, that's a crisis to them. That's a crisis. To you, it's not a crisis. I didn't lose my job, so not a crisis. So crisis can also have a perspective on it in terms of who's going through the crisis may not be a crisis for everybody. And then there are universal crises that happen that everybody is affected. One of the interesting things in the United States that we fail to understand that when one party is fighting against another party or one individual is fighting against another individual, as if we're two different nations, we're left or right, Democrat, independent, Republican, whatever. Okay, well, here's the 30,000 foot view of that. We're all on the same ship. It is the United States of America. So if one party is acting up, they are affecting the entire ship. It's not like you're on different ships. You're on the same ship. You may be in the front of the ship and another person may be in the back of the ship. But if that ship goes down, if you are on the Titanic, everybody goes down right? Unless you got a life raft. So it really is about understanding the perspective sometimes of crisis, because sometimes we just, we compartmentalize the crisis to they and them instead of we and us. So sometimes that's how we look at it. But let's define crisis, because I always like to do that, because the teacher in me always wants you to have the foundational uh, structure of any kind of word that you're using or any kind of thing we're talking about. So crisis, as it defined, is a time of intense difficulty trouble, or danger. Now, that's what Webster, Daniel Webster, defined, and we all accept it as one of the definitions of crisis, right? Again, intense difficulty. Your latte getting messed up is not intense difficulty. You can order another one, right? Uh, some people, if they get cut off in traffic, it's a crisis, and they want to start telling the person in the car in front of them that they are number one, using the middle finger, right? So people respond to crisis in different ways, and, and crisis triggers things in people in different ways. If you spill your milk, that's not a crisis, because you can clean that up, and you can get another one, right? But real trouble, real trouble at your doorstep calls for a response. Remember the financial crisis of 2008. That was a real crisis. That was a real threat. America was on the brink of financial insolvency. Our banks were going down faster than a tie. I can't even use that word on the air, but they were going down. So we were in a crisis. We had to respond to the situation at hand. And if we didn't, our financial world would have been in ruin. Millions of people lost their home, jobs, 
businesses during the financial crisis. Now, that was a real danger or threat. Would you agree? Absolutely. 9-11 for the United States of America was a crisis. It was the first time in the history of our nation that a foreign entity had come into our shores and attacked us within the heart of one of our biggest cities. The only other time that that had happened was in 1941 with the Japanese. That was the only other time that had happened. We had not had that happen in a long time. It was a shock to the American system to see multiple planes flying into a building that were full of people. That's a crisis, my friend. Now, think about what's going on in your life relative to four or 5,000 people in a building and on a plane that they cannot exit out of. That's a crisis. That's a real crisis, all right? So I just want to put in perspective what crisis can really look like because sometimes we think we have a crisis going on in our life that we don't really have. Sometimes we manufacture crises that really don't exist, right? Well, you know, hypochondriacs, they manifest sicknesses, signs. I was just at my doctor's yesterday doing my weekly checkup, make sure I'm staying healthy through our current pandemic thing going on. And I could hear the staff on the phone dealing with people that were in crisis, asking about different medical symptoms that they were experiencing and wonder, was this the one? Is this the it? Is this it? Is this the virus? Right? And so the staff has to remain calm. They're trying to talk these people out. But these people are in a crisis. Another definition, and you just joining the show, we're talking about crisis and managing crisis. And so we're laying the foundation to really talk about what is a crisis and what what typifies a crisis, either an individual crisis or a universal crisis, right? Uh, another version of crisis is a turning point um, of a disease with an important change takes place either in recovery or death, right? So crisis, which means, and I'll get into later, there's a double meaning to crisis because it said a turning place either indicating recovery or death. So there was two options in the crisis, right? We always think of crisis as the negative, but we're going to talk about in the next segment about the other definition of crisis. But in this cur current definition of a disease or sickness, we have had lots of crises in America and around the world relating to disease. Most of us are not old enough to remember the Black Plague, but it was a plague that wiped out thousands of people that their immune systems could not defend against this sickness. The black plague, the swine flu was another disease that just ran rampant into the lives of people and around the world. SARS, one of the most recent ones that we had to deal with, right? Another pandemic type disease that have come through. Ebola, remember that one? That was huge, right? The Ebola scare that came out of parts of Africa into America, and people were freaking out. They thought it was the end of the world. Ebola, right? So we've had these. Uh, Tylenol, I, I can remember the Tylenol scare where people were dying 
buying Tylenol because people were contaminating the bottles. And we couldn't figure out where it was coming from. It was a scare. We were concerned about giving our children Tylenol. So many children went on to be sicker than they needed to be because Tylenol was the main thing that you gave children and adults before we have all these other inflammatory medications now. But Tylenol was the thing and it got contaminated and there were the scares where millions, these things where millions of people lost their lives or threat of a lost life. These are truly crisis circumstances that demand a response from the government or citizens or we will lose millions more of our citizens around the world. Are you getting a perspective of what crisis is, right? The world, again, is in crisis. There are financial crises right now in the world, right? There are immigration crises right now in the world. There's another pandemic crisis right now in the world. What's the common denominator? There's always a crisis, isn't it? There's never a time in the history of the world and in our current world that there's not some type of crisis happening every day. We live among crisis. But what we do is we decide that this crisis is more important than that crisis, right? The crisis today is more important than the swine flu or the black plague crisis yesterday. But let me just tell you, if you live there in that day, the Black Plague was important, right? It's not important to you because you don't live in that day. Sometimes we think that the day we live is the most important time in history. So we have a history in life where we have crisis, right? When we come back, I'm going to share with you another aspect of crisis. And we're going to talk about ways to manage a crisis, right, from a two aspects based on the definition that I will give you. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Lewis Howard Live International around the world. Don't go anywhere. We'll write back after we give our sponsors a little shout out. The New Home Council at thenewhomecouncil.com is an independent team of industry professionals working together to meet the changing needs of the new home building industry through education, promotion, and recognition. With over 900 members strong, the New Home Council is passionate about being a resource for builders and all professionals in the new home industry and their success. Become a member today and help support this great cause by going to thenewhomecouncil.com to learn more. That's thenewhomecouncil.com. The Millionaire Club Charity is one of Seattle's oldest existing charities. In addition to job placement and employment services, the Millionaire Club provides job training and licensing to help workers become qualified and job ready, from nutritious meals and sack lunches to housing assistance to stabilize their lives. Despite its name, the donors to the Millionaire Club are ordinary citizens with a desire and passion to help fellow citizens overcome the barriers of employment and housing. For more information, call 206-728-JOBS or go to millionaireclub.org. Hey, thank you for joining us, being part of the conversation. Today, we're talking about something maybe a little uncomfortable for some people, and it's called crisis. But sometimes you got to take the bull by the horns. You got to face down your enemy. You got to face down challenges and things that we would rather run from. But I have learned in life that 
you don't win by running. You win by facing the thing down. So we're talking about crisis and crisis management, right? Did you know there are companies that get paid millions of dollars to manage crisis? They manage crisis for individuals. Anytime a celebrity gets in trouble, they usually employ a crisis management team. Anytime an organization of any size or scope gets in trouble, they employ crisis management. How do we manage this crisis? Individuals and families cannot afford a crisis manager. Right? We can't afford to hire a crisis management consultant to come into our marriage or help us with our children, which a lot of people need help with right now, right? especially in our area because school is out for almost two months. They're going to need some crisis management, but we can't afford that. So we have to be the crisis managers for our own family, our own individual life. How well do you manage crisis? How well do you understand crisis? How well do you execute strategies and plans related to crisis? If you were rating yourself on an A, B, C, or D, what would you give yourself for being a crisis management consultant to your own life? Right? You, you can give yourself to the, your own score, right? What would you give yourself. I give myself probably a B plus, right? Because I have some tendencies I still have to work out when it comes to crisis. But overall, I'm pretty good at responding to crisis. I've been doing it for a very long time. So you have to get good at being your own consultant and your own counsel at times when you're managing crisis. All right. Before the break, I promise you a different definition of crisis, one that many of you may not ever heard or understood before. But crisis in the Chinese is a symbol. It's not a word. It's actually a symbol because many of uh, Chinese words are actually uh, drawn in symbols, right? That's where we get the yang and the yang. And, you know, those are symbols that are driven and drawn, driven and drawn. All right. Hey, so crisis in that symbol of the Chinese language has two meanings. One is danger. And we've been talking about primarily the danger part of crisis, right? But as we alluded to in the second definition, which says death or recovery, if you're facing a sickness or a disease, the crisis has a second meaning, which means opportunity. Whoa. How can a crisis mean opportunity? Most of us, when we think of a crisis, what do you think? You think negative. Crisis. The world's going down. The sky is falling. The end is near. When you hear the word crisis, it usually triggers in you um, negative connotations, right? So when you think about managing through a crisis, first of all, let's talk about the danger part, right? We've talked about uh, situationals that are defined as crisis, but let's talk about the dangers that people do and how they typically manage crisis. The number one thing that people do in a crisis is what? They panic, right? Stand up and yell fire in a crowded theater. Watch what people do. They're going to panic. If they hear what sounds like a gunshot, they will panic, right? It is the first thing that people do. Psychology calls this fight or flight mode, That is what most people go into when they 
come in contact or are part of or experience crisis, they go into flight or fight mode. What is fight or flight? Fight or flight response is a psychological reaction that occurs in response to a perceived harmful event, attack, a threat to your survival. So anything that is perceived, it didn't say it was real, it just has to be perceived. That's why some of you love scary movies, because it perceives that there's a ghost, there's a scary thing, and you sit there and watch the whole thing on a perception that something bad is going to happen, right? So it's the same thing when you hear bad news. If you deem that as a threat, then you're going to go into panic, flight, or flight, or fight mode, right? Is what people are doing. Right now, we have people in fight mode and flight mode, both at the same time. We got people in Walmart fighting over toilet paper, right? They're fighting. Fighting over hand sanitizer. They are fighting, okay? We have other people in flight mode. They're buying millions and millions of plies of toilet paper and loading it up in their house. They have gone in to survival mode as if the world is going to run out of TP or the world is going to run out of sanitizer. Note to self, as my pioneer ancestors' family would say, there's always a leaf, okay? But we're stacking up toilet paper. What is that? That is flight mode because now you're trying to protect yourself against survival. So you're plowing through the grocery stores, buying up everything that's not knelt down, loading it into your van or your SUV, and then you're making off into your lair, stacking it up and waiting till the end of days. That's flight. That's flight. That's not wise. That's flight. Okay. So that's number one thing that people do is they go into this mode where they start stacking up things. And we're in a consumer-driven society. Let me just tell you this. Those grocery stores going to make sure you have plenty of food as long as you're buying. But that's the first thing people do is start stacking up on water, right? You don't drink water every day on a normal basis, but in a crisis, suddenly you stack up water, okay? Now, I've visited third-world countries that actually have shortages, and they don't do that. They go down to wherever they need on a daily basis, to the river, and sometimes not healthy, and they get their water. They get what they need on a daily basis. Most people in Europe don't stack up groceries. They go and they shop every day at the markets for what they want. But in America, we stockpile, right? So that's a form of flight. What else do people do in a crisis? They shut down. Okay, that's the one of the things we're seeing is people shut down. Their response is to stop being productive at a high level because of the crisis. I remember when 9-11 came, people would not leave their house for weeks. They would not go shopping. They would not go to restaurants. They would not drive their cars. They would not leave. They literally shut down. 
And so when people shut down, it shuts down the economy because many small businesses thrive on you going to the restaurant or going to get your favorite cup of joe or your favorite dish. They thrive on that or your favorite brew, whatever it is that you consume. You stop doing that, then people start losing jobs. So when we shut down, we shut down the economy right? That's one of the dangers that people do when it comes to a crisis, right? Number three is misinformation. This is a big one. Usually in a crisis where you're trying to get in the first, I would say 10 to 15 minutes of information, what you have is primarily is media and news outlets trying to be the first one to break the story, And sometimes in the course of doing that, they disseminate bad information, wrong information. Okay. I was in the broadcasting business. And so we knew that whatever story we got to the air first, we will be the primary eyes for people following that story. That has not changed so many years later. They still do it. Who wants to be the breaking news? CNN wants to be the breaking news. MSNBC wants to be the breaking news. Fox wants to be the breaking news. UK wants to be the breaking news. The Sun wants to be the breaking news. Everybody wants to be the breaking news to command your eyes to follow whatever story is going on. And many times you get misinformation about what's going on. I have been following our latest pandemic, and it is so amazing how much misinformation has gone on. People that are not in local communities are calling out stuff that's simply not true, right? People are defining Seattle in certain way that's not true. I live here. Going, where'd they get that information from? Right. So misinformation is sometimes things that happen in Christ. I remember 9-11. They had six planes flying into the building. They had the government shooting down two planes. Right. So it was just a bunch of misinformation. And what happens with information? So just so you know, from a psychological standpoint, your perception and perspective about a situation or a crisis is shaped within the first five minutes. It will determine your response and your reaction. So whatever you do and whatever you hear in that first five minutes will shape your whole perspective on that crisis, right? So when you get bad news, you have to pause for five or 10 minutes before you let that become the narrative of what you're thinking. You open that letter and it says you're now going to be under tax investigation. Okay, you need to stop, take a minute. And don't let that absorb in, because if it absorbs in, that's all you're going to go to bed thinking about. And that's all you're going to wake up thinking about. That's all that's going to be on your mind. And so you will not be able to do anything and you will go into shutdown mode or fight or flight mode. And either way is not good. There's a third way that I don't have time necessarily to go in and talk about today. There is fight, there is flight, and then there's face. You have to learn how to Face the crisis. Stand the crisis down. Look at it in the face. I was listening to one of the partner companies that I'm a part of, and our leader was giving an address, and he was sharing how we have to continue to face. We have to continue to go. And so it it brought to mind that fear knocked on the door, faith answered, and there was no one there. Okay? When you run from a crisis, it gets bigger. When you face it down and you face people down and you face situations down, it gets smaller. 
So you have to face it down. So I'm going to add to the psychologist theory. It is flight, face, or fight, right? And I'm probably not good at flight. So it, to me, it's face or fight is what you have to look at when you are managing a crisis. Be careful what you hear and who you hear, right? I have found for me to get accuracy on a story, I have to go to three or four different sources in order to gain accuracy on one news story. And I hate to say this, many times I have to go outside the United States to get an accurate view of what's happening inside the United States. And that's a shame. But that is the world that we're living in because news and media has become more like reality TV. It's, it's, it's foundation is trauma and drama. And they know that people like trauma and drama, so they bring you lots of it. And at the end of the day, we don't get many real facts in news. So you have to go to different sources if you want to not get caught in to misinformation. Confusion. That's the other thing that happens. Okay. In the middle of a crisis, people get confused. What do I do? Do I sell my house or do I keep it? Do I quit my job? Do I stay? Do I resume my life or do I hunker down and play video games in my lair? What do I do? I don't know. Do I interrupt my schedule? Do I keep my schedule? I don't know. How close is it to me? Right? Is it outside my door? Right? These are things that go through a person's mind when you're dealing with crisis. Right. And so you have to decide what do I want to accomplish during this crisis? So for me, I decided I wanted to keep my life the same. I didn't want to interrupt my life. I made some adjustments because I have to have additional meetings that I didn't have to have before. But my life is not interrupted. Right. My doctor is in ground zero of the current pandemic that we're dealing with in our area. And I go to him every week and I have no problem doing that. Other people go, are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? Why are you doing that? Because I don't want to let the crisis control me. I want to control the crisis. Here's the deal, right? You can't control the crisis if you don't have control of it, right? So if it's outside of your realm, there's nothing you can do. We're going to have to rely on health professionals, doctors, people that are in a position that that's what they get paid for. That's what their job is to handle those kinds of things. You and I need to get up and continue to resume our lives. Most of you cannot afford to shut down your business for two months or you're going to be out of business. If you're in real estate and you're working on commission, you can't afford to not have closings for two months unless you have saved six months worth of income. You're going to have struggles. So we're making decisions out of confusion and fear that could have lasting impact on us. So we have to really sit down with ourselves and shut down the negative voices, right? You don't need to have a pandemic update every five minutes, right? I get mine once a day, once or twice a day. That's all I need. And I am putting it in the hands of those people that are more skilled, right? 9-11, I left that in the hands of the people that were more skilled at going finding terrorists and resolving that than me. I continue to do business, right? Because business continues. People's needs don't change just because it's a crisis. They still need shelter. They still need water. They still need food. And some of us still need lattes. So please don't shut down my favorite espresso place, 
right? We still need what we need. It doesn't change. Small businesses still need your support. You can't just withdraw your support. And to small businesses, you just can't close your doors. You may lose some of your customers. And when you open the doors, they don't come back, right? So we have to be wise with our decision. What side of the crisis are you on? Are you on the danger side? And everything decision that you are making is out of the danger portion, the imminent threat, survival, flight, or fight mode, or are you on the other side of this thing, opportunity? Because that's the other side of a crisis. What do you have to offer in a crisis? That's number one. We've seen Americans over the years do great things in crisis. We, when we have hurricanes and floods, we see Americans lending their cars um, lending money, lending resources to go help their neighbors, right? So what do you have to offer? I'm doing what I'm doing right now because that's what I have to offer. I want to put a positive, inspirational message out there in the middle of this crisis that everyone is experiencing in Europe and the U.S. to say, hey, let's look at it from another perspective. We got one perspective, but maybe let's add another perspective. What can you do from where you sit, right? And what can you offer to your local community that would be beneficial to them. Last night, I am tooling around my nightly walk, and it is cold. Okay, I don't know where you're listening. Maybe your temperatures are always cold or warm, but it was 37 degrees Fahrenheit last night. No, it was 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, that's cold to me, right? But here I see a singer, a street singer. She is performing on the street in the middle of the pandemic at night, trying to continue her business. I walk over to her, I put a sizable tip in her jar and said, hey, let's take a picture and I'm going to post you up on my social media and say we're supporting local artists. No to Corona V. Okay, that's what you can offer. What can you offer doing a crisis besides sitting at home, eating your I don't know, whatever you bought, drinking your water and having plenty of your toilet paper. What can you offer? Is there something you can use to make a difference? What business opportunities or, or innovations can be beneficial in a crisis? Now, the first thing some of you Pollyanna people will say, well, you shouldn't be profiting in a crisis. Everybody profits in a crisis in some way. There are people right now that are profiting. Why? Because they're going to create some innovation that's going to get your attention, whether it is a mask, whether it is outfits, whether it is something that you will use and buy and purchase in this crisis. They're not doing that for free. OK, right now, there are companies trying to work to see who's the first one to get the vaccine because they're going to charge billions for that. OK, so there is opportunities. What innovation can you offer? What that your company can have. Can you volunteer? Can you do meals on wheels? Can you help students? Can you go teach some students? What can you offer? Challenge yourself to not just shut down, operate in confusion, deal with misinformation, and just go into flight or fight 
mode for survival. Let's get out of that. Let's see what else we can do when we have a crisis. And whether that crisis is in your own family, sometimes the best thing you can do is when you have a crisis in your family is to help another family. Help somebody else. Because you're going to always be surprised to find out your story is not the worst story on the block. There's always a worse story. There's always somebody having a little bit more harder than what you have. So sometimes you have to get over your big bad self and decide, I'm going to go out and help somebody else, right? You're not the first person going through a divorce. You're not the first person to lose a job. You're not the first person to have a sick kid. You're not the first person to go through a health crisis. There are groups that support that. Can you get out of yourself and go and touch. The only thing I don't like about this whole social distancing concept is it begins an isolatory thing that's not good. We're already a culture that's partially isolated anyway on our devices. And now we're saying by the government, it's okay to further isolate yourself. That part, I don't think is good. And I'd find ways around that if I were you. It's not good to be just holed up in isolation. All right. So be the local hero in the crisis. I had a dream last night. I was the local hero. I was a hero, right? Be the local hero. Do something nobody else is doing in the crisis. Go out and hand out masks. Hand out water. Go help people. Go volunteer. Go do something, right? Find something that you can be the hero or herette, whatever, right? Let's do something. Let's take the crisis and don't let the crisis take us, right? Let's find the opportunity to make a difference in the middle of difficult times. Go read history. Don't take my word for it. Go look at history and realize what people did in crisis. Marie Callender, it's a food that we all enjoy. Pies was created in a crisis. That company was created in a crisis, right? There are many companies that were created that we still support that came out of crisis. Red Cross came out of a crisis. Salvation Army, out of crisis, right? So we have companies that created technology out of crisis. We have the internet out of a military strategy crisis. That's how we have the internet today. See, so you got to know your history and realize, hey, we're not the first person did. What did other people do when they were in a crisis, right? So just think about that. I want to challenge you and don't be afraid to take a risk. If you've taken care of yourself and you're healthy, take a risk. Don't lock yourself in. Get out and help somebody, right? Life is about sacrifice, right? Martin Luther King once said that if a man has not found something for which he will die for, then that man is not fit to live. If you're worried about dying and you're worried about getting sick and that's all that's on your mind, then you're not living. And as my favorite line in the movie is Shawshank Redemption says, get busy living or get busy dying. That's your choice. Now, you can let the crisis tell you or the government tell you, to get busy dying, or you say, hey, I'm going to get busy living. I'm going to help a friend. I'm going to help family. I'm in the middle of a pandemic, and a friend called me and said, would you come and sing a song at my wedding? And I thought for a minute, 
wow, I got all this other stuff going. Recently lost my son. We got this pandemic going on. We got businesses going on. And here a friend calls and say, could you go and do this? And you know what I told him? Absolutely. Called my producer and said, hey, how do I do this? I need some tools to get this done. Right? That's how you become a local hero. That's how you don't let the crisis get the best of you. Somebody needs you right now. I promise you, I am saying this because I see it right now. Somebody needs somebody that is listening to this show, but you have been unavailable. You have gone into hiding. And I'm challenging you today to make yourself available. Call, text, email, reach out to somebody and just ask them how they're doing and is there anything you can do. There are seniors that need your help. There are young children that need your help. Somebody needs your help. And you're going to find that what you make happen for other people will happen for you. Be creative, lastly. Be creative. Start thinking of creative ways. You can have fun during the crisis. Yes, I said it. Fun. I can actually have fun. I'm having fun. The traffic is lighter. The lines are shorter. I can get where I want to go. Less trauma and drama on the roads. Hmm, I'm having fun. Okay? I'm not thinking about dying. I'm not thinking about catching the flu. I'm not catching anything. I'm giving stuff. Right? So that's my challenge to you today. Because I believe that if you take the opportunity side of this thing, I believe you can make a difference, not only in this time, but in times to come. Hey, thank you for being part of another show, another insight, in addition to Lewis Howard Live. Remember, we're available 24-7 on demand. You can get us on blogtalkradio.com. You can get us on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, uh, Amazon. That's where both the books are, From Here to There and Inside the Mind of Champions, podcast.com, FM Player. There's just so many, I don't have time to name them all. But you, if you Google Lewis Howard Live, they all come up, uh, and you can just go right through and listen to the show and tell a friend, invite a friend to come and download a show and listen. We've had close to 100,000 downloads on the show, and each week we're getting hundreds of downloads uh, on the show. And so we are thankful and appreciate that you're continuing to support us and helping. Hey, if you want to be a sponsor on the show, hit me up. Uh, Lewis at lhoward360.com, or you can hit me up on Facebook at Lewis Hour Live, and we'll sponsor you. Or if you want to be a guest on the show, hit us up, and we will add you to the calendar. Thanks again, and we'll see you on another edition, helping you be the best version of yourself on Lewis Howard Live. Lewis Howard of Lewis Howard Live has partnered with Amazon Books to bring you his dynamic, life-changing book. From Here to There is the best-selling biopic journey of Lewis Howard's road from adopted child in poverty to achieving over a billion dollars in real estate assets. Lewis shares his secrets and principles, which helped make his meteoric rise to the top an inspiration to millions. Lewis Howard, From Here to There, available on Amazon Books at createspace.com slash 450-6888. Get it today. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.